Hallelujah. Why don't you put your hands together for Pastor David, Reverend David. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for making it possible for us to come before your throne. Your word says that we should come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find help in the time of need. This morning we come for that very reason. We come that we might receive grace, that we might receive mercy. We might receive instruction. We might receive our needs met and we might receive wisdom. Holy Spirit, this is your meeting. Have mercy on me. Give me the tongue of the learned that I may know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. Confirm your word with thanks following. Let there be healings. Let there be miracles. And let there be signs. We wash ourselves with the blood of Jesus. And we say, Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on me and give me the soul of a winged child. Give me the faith of a child to cooperate with the wind and the movement of the spirit. Let everyone here be blessed. Let demons flee. Let sickness disappear. Let there be miracles. In Jesus' mighty name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Reverend David, so much for your kind, warm friendship and invitation. I thank God so much for this man because I see in him Jesus. I see in him Jesus. You know, this is a man who has been through a lot. But when I look at his love for the Lord, his perseverance, and uh, his zeal for the things of God, I get amazed. Because the things that have happened to him, if it happens to somebody who will survive even for one day. And uh, in the spirit realm, strength is measured by how much you can take. In the natural realm, strength is measured by how much you can give. That's why the heavyweight boxer is the one who knocks people out. But in the spirit realm, the heavyweight champion will be the one who is knocked out. In Romans 15 verse 1, the Bible says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. So your ability to bear things, tolerate people's foolishness, Tolerate stupidity. Tolerate sometimes insults. Tolerate people who don't respect you. It is a mark of strength. So it says those who are strong, they are able to bear. So I thank God for giving us such a wonderful pastor. And for me, that one alone is a mark of his spiritual strength. We are looking at a spiritual giant. Put your hands together for Jesus. Let's thank God for this powerful, great man of God. And uh, I don't want you to take him for granted. I want you to know that God has blessed us with a good pastor. And uh, as we listen to him, as we come to church, as he ministers to us, you will never be the same again. But success is gradual. And the blessing of God is also gradual. 
In Psalm 1 verse 3, the Bible says, He shall be like a tree. That's the question. Planted by the rivers of waters. Trees don't grow overnight. They take time to grow. But if you just allow them to be planted and for them to grow over time, it says they will bring forth fruit in their season. So I will encourage you to be planted by this great river that is flowing. And the river is God's word. Ephesians 5.26 says, the washing of water by the word. So we thank God for the supply of God's word. Clean word. Pure word. That is flowing from this place. John said, I saw a pure river. Crystal. Clean water can only flow from a clean vessel. So we thank God for all that he's doing. We thank God for all the pastors. We thank you all for this great church. And I want you to continue to come to church. Listen to God's word. Participate. And help in the building of God's church. Very important. Because as you do that, you'll be fulfilling your purpose. Because 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That was his primary agenda. He didn't come to sell iron rods or cement. His primary agenda is to save sinners. So when we connect to this agenda and this plan, we also begin to experience the grace of God. Because the grace of God is always connected to the plan of God. God bless you. Thank you so much. Those are my introductory remarks. And uh, before I preach, I want to tell you that I've got some wonderful books outside, Squatters, Cryptocurrency, How to Profit from Free Labor. This is not about digital currencies. This is something about something else. This hidden currency or hidden blessings. The Energy Drink, a series of short, short, short teachings. And the Invitation, which talks about the call of God. Today, I want to share with you on the message I have titled, How to Make Great Decisions. Tell somebody how to make great decisions. How to make great decisions. One of the most important things in life is your decision, your ability to make quality decisions. Because at the end of the day, you are a reflection of your decisions. If I see your wife, it's a reflection of the decision you made. If I see the job that you do, it's a reflection of the decision that you made. If I see even your hair, it's a reflection of the decision that you made. Maybe you decided to do Rasta or braids or Brazilian hair. So whatever I see on you is giving me an insight into your decision-making process. If you are even, if you go, even to go to school, it's a decision. So everything's a decision. The clothes I'm wearing this morning, it's a reflection of my decisions that I made this morning. I could have appeared here with football boots and a jersey. It's a decision. 
That's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, your decisions are a summary of your life. So even the person you decide to marry is a reflection of your own decisions. That's why we must learn to make great decisions. Our decisions are also our decisions also determine our experiences, what we experience. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says, Be not conformed to this world. Conform means to be shaped by external forces, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. That word prove is the word experience. What is that great, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? So here the Bible says that what you experience, as I told you that when it proves, it means experience. What you experience in life is as a result of your thoughts, what you have been thinking. That's why it says that watch your thoughts and your decisions. So he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, make sure that you renew your mind or you change your mind and pick up the mind of God. Why? So that you can have great experiences. It says that you may prove, you will experience. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So even the decision to follow God's will determines the experience that you have. And it says if you make a decision to follow God's will, you will experience something that is good. Then you will experience something which is acceptable. You will find it acceptable. Then after you will experience the fact that whatever God's will or choice is, it is perfect, the best. So for example, before I got married, I was praying to the Lord, who shall I marry? And the first thing that I used to, uh, to influence my decision making process was God's word, of course. So I knew that God's word says that be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So I had to marry somebody who was a believer. So when I became a believer, I had a girlfriend in the world. Then I told my worldly girlfriend that, look, we have to break up. Because I'm a Christian now. You are not a Christian. And the Bible tells me that a Christian should not marry an unbeliever. So I have made a decision. I was in the process of making a great decision. So I stopped the relationship. So I didn't have anybody. Then one day, I was in USD, I was walking. And I saw my wife now. And when I saw her for the first time, the Holy Spirit said to me, that is your wife. 
That's one of the benefits of being a prophet. You know things immediately. So God showed me his will and his choice. So when his will was revealed to me, immediately I changed my mind about everything. And I said, okay, so this is the person I'm going to choose. So based on that choice, I married my wife. And since I married for 30 years, I've been having great, good, acceptable, perfect experiences. Why? Because I made a great decision. So making great decisions, it affects your experiences in life. Another thing that it affects, it, it will affect whether it will determine whether you lead a sinful life or you lead a righteous life. Great decisions, number one, I said, it's a, it, it, your life is a reflection of your decisions. Number two, I said, it will, it will, it will determine your experiences. Number, number three, it will determine whether you lead a sinful life or a righteous life. When you live in sin, it's a decision. When you lead a righteous life too, it's a decision. Recently, last year, no, some, about two years back, I prayed with a classmate of mine who had been on drugs from the time we were last in Form 3. He had been on drugs for over 30 something years. So I was walking and I met him. And he stopped me. He had grown lean. I mean, he looked wretched. And he called me. He said, Pastor. Then I saw him. At that time, I was going on a walk with, for a walk with my wife. Then I said to him, I said, you know what? Uh, I would like to minister to you. So meet me in church. So he came. So I asked him. Why are you this way? Then he said, from three. He said, some people here in Tema gave me drugs. And I started taking the drugs. And he said, from that time till now, all my decisions is drugs. Then I said, are you married? He said, no. Then I said, why are you not married? He said, I have no desire for women. I see them like trees. All my decisions is how to get drugs. That's all. This man was homeless. I said, where do you stay? So sometimes I sleep on verandas. Sometimes I sleep by the roadside. Everything. So a sinful lifestyle was a result of his decisions. Then I said to him, I want to lead you to Christ. And I want to pray with you. And after I finish praying with you, God will break the power of addiction. He said, I've tried to break free. I've never been succeeded. 
Then I said, today you will. And I said, when we finish, after you are going to obey God's word, and from that point, you are going to make great decisions. I prayed with him, laid hands on him, and prayed. That was it. As I speak to you now, he's finished university, he's married, he's a manager, he has a wife, he has a house, he supervises people, he's a Christian, he's a fine man, he's serving the Lord. How did this life start? A wrong decision to lead a sinful life. So Romans chapter 5 verse 19, the Bible says, By the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners. And by the obedience of one man, many shall be made righteous. Here he's talking about the decisions of two people. One, the first one is Adam. The second one is Jesus. One man decided to make sinful decisions. It affected many. The thing about a sinful decision is that it affects many. Talking to a woman yesterday who came to see me. Said, I've left my husband. He said, I've always wanted to leave my husband. But I couldn't bring myself to do it because I knew the effect it will have on my children, on our friends, on our house, on our relationships, on our families. So I withheld myself. He said, my husband lives in sin and thrives in sin. So one man's decision to live in sin is not affecting everybody. It's like COVID. It can affect people's school fees. It can affect the destiny of children. It can affect the self-esteem of people. It can affect people's future. He said, I've tried, but I can't now. I have to leave. He said, otherwise, this man will kill me. So decisions can be very destructive. The problem of Africa and its underdevelopment is it's it's, 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 it's because of wrong decisions. Sinful decisions. That's what makes Africa an underdeveloped continent. Because righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. In Africa, we don't need more education. We need more righteous people. That's what we need. 
So sin affects a lot of people. But when you also make a decision, righteous decisions, that one also affects a lot of people. He said, by the obedience of one man, many also were made righteous. Adam made a sinful decision. Genesis 2.15, the Bible says, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. But of the fruit of the tree, which is the midst of the garden, you shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But he made the decision that I will eat it. And look at how we are suffering now. With Elevi, uh, taxes, mosquitoes, portals, one man's decision. Adam, divorce, sickness, high blood pressure, acquire higher. One man's decision affects so many people. Hospital bills, ECG bills, water bills, taxes. I mean, one man, Adam, when we see him, we must knock him. But we thank God for Jesus. He also made a decision. First Timothy 1.15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He made a decision. He said, I will come into the world and I will save sinners. And he came and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Number four reason why you must make great decisions is because it will determine whether you are blessed or cursed. It will determine it. In front, First Chronicles 21 verse 1, the Bible says, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Verse 2, David said to Joab and to all the rulers of the people, Go number all the people from Beersheba to Dan and bring the number to me. Meanwhile, God had told David, don't count the people. One decision. Do you know how many people died? 70,000 people died because of that decision. God was angry. Leadership is very important because as a leader, one decision that you make, it affects so many people. And because David was king, 70,000 people died. One day there was an Egypt airplane and the pilot was flying the plane over the sea. He felt like killing himself. He made a decision. And he started taking the plane down. Everybody died. One decision. So, if you want to be blessed spiritually, financially, 
maritally, whatever. You don't want curses. You must learn to make great decisions. Now I move to the second part of my sermon. How are we going to make these great decisions? Let me give you three things that we must do and then we'll close. Number one, we must take small decisions seriously. We must take small decisions seriously. Most of the time when we are making decisions, we are serious about the big ones. We think about them, we plan, we calculate, we pray, we are careful because they are big decisions. But there's small, small, small decisions. What you eat, what time you sleep, whether you have your quiet time, whether you exercise, uh, the kind of friends that you make, the kind of music you listen to, I mean, small, small, small decisions. How you use your time. We don't take it seriously. But they are small decisions. But if you want to make great decisions, you must be a master of small decisions. Why? Because small decisions over time compound to become a big decision. They add up. And over time, it becomes a very big decision. I had a friend. He was a smoker. By the age of 15, he was smoking. 15, he just take one small, you know, Benson and Hedges. And start smoking. It's a small decision for a 50-year-old boy because when you smoke one stick, you don't feel anything. He kept on at it. And his stick of cigarette looked like a small thing. The money was small. The effect was small. It didn't have much effect. So he just kept on doing it. Then he became a chain smoker. But, so, each stick of cigarette looked like an inconsequential decision. Gradually grew into addiction. Gradually it grew into a sickness. Gradually it grew into a cancer. And he died. He didn't develop this cancer overnight. No. It was a series of small decisions. But the small decisions compounded. It became a big decision. And now I'm So, if we want to make great decisions, even financially, 
You must be careful about the decision you make about one city, two cities, 50 pesos, 500 cities. But the amount of 500 cities is oh, where they is kaketi, where they are both fruit money. Mumbra me so boloni kile wele na me fe people me numna me change kaketi ebi. You see, you are very careless about the decision. In the story of the prodigal son, that man became very poor. Not overnight, but over a period of time. And it was a result of many small decisions. Each decision by itself looked inconsequential, like it's nothing. But over time, it all compounded to be a big decision. In Luke 15, 11, the Bible says, a certain man had two sons, 12, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth unto me, and he divided unto them his living. His first decision was, he told his father, give me my money. Is there something wrong if you ask your father for money? There's nothing wrong. That decision by itself, collecting your inheritance from your father, is nothing wrong. Actually, it looks like a very good idea. You're going to start a business. The next decision, he gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. Is there something wrong with traveling to Mexico or Singapore, or America, or Canada. There's nothing wrong. It's just travel. Everybody's traveling. Me too, I'm traveling. That was the second decision. And it looked harmless. Sometimes when people are traveling, it looks harmless. But before you realize your marriage is spoiled, and you a woman, she traveled like that. She got divorced. The children became wayward. They, 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 they got addicted to drugs. Many things happened. But it looked like a simple decision. I'm just traveling. The next verse is, and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. Riotous living means a life of pleasure. So you will see the guy at parties. Is there something wrong with a the party? There's nothing wrong with going to a party. The guy is at parties. Oh, he took a girlfriend. Is there something wrong with a girlfriend? In fact, two girlfriends he had. No, there's something wrong with two. He took a girlfriend. So, if you look at decisions, each one standing on its own, it doesn't look that dangerous. Verse 14 says, When he has spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. If you spend all your money, is there something wrong? You can go and find a new job. 
Is he funny? He just spent his money. He was having a good time. 15 says, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country who sent him into his fields to feast wine. Is there something wrong with making a friend? You had a new friend. And the guy is a British citizen. You are working somewhere in Littlestone and you have made a friend. He's a British citizen. What is wrong? There's nothing wrong. He will fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. So now he became very hungry. He made a decision that, okay, if there is no food, what do you have to do? Man will survive. So the pig's food, he will eat it. He started eating the food for survivor. Is there something wrong with survivor? There's nothing wrong. Look, over time, this rich man, Papa Nowoski, he said, Why you hear me He lives with pigs and eats pigs' food. The guy was broke. When you are becoming broke, you don't become broke overnight. You become broke because of a series of 40 small, small, small decisions. That's what makes you broke. In the same way to when you are becoming rich, it's a series of small, 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 small decisions that also that will make you rich. But if you read the story, each decision by itself looks harmless. But if you put it together, that's what happened. That is why we must be great at making small decisions. Because if you're a student, you're going to fail an exam. You didn't fail at the time you're writing the exam. You started failing when the semester started. That's when you started failing. If your marriage is going to fail, it doesn't fail at the beginning of the wedding. It fails even before you started the relationship. It has started failing already. Listen, I was talking to somebody. He said, my husband is not good. Then I said, if your husband is not good, I am sure that at the beginning of the relationship, you saw red flags. I said, by all means, let's just say, Bibi who said, no, Aquayonia correct. I said, did you see any red flags? He said, oh, yes, but I ignored it. I said, what did you see? He said, even at the relationship stage, my husband was a womanizer. And I thought that after the marriage, you would change. If you can't live with a womanizer, don't marry a womanizer unless you can live with one. Why did her marriage fail? Because at the very beginning, when she saw that small thing, she should have made a great decision. But she did it. And over the years, it grew. The serpent that 
Adam met in the book of Genesis. By revelation, it has grown into a fat dragon. By the book of Revelation, I saw the dragon. It's grown. So I want to say that if you're a student, the way you, decisions you make about your time. If you're a Christian and you want to know God, the decisions you make about your prayer, the decision you make every Sunday, that every Sunday, sorry, I'm going to listen to the word of God. I'm going to be there. I'm going to do something in the church. I'm going to be involved. That decision, over time, you become a spiritual giant. It looks like a small decision, but it compounds. That's why if I'm in this church, I expect every Sunday you'll be sitting here. It looks small, but it's a great decision. Why? Because Jesus himself went to church every Sunday to learn about himself. Luke 4.16, it says, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Custom means habit and manner. God going to church to learn about himself. Great decisions. A serious Christian is not by accident. Small, small, small decisions. Prayer meeting, you are there. We say we are fasting, you are there. We say there are some groups in the church, we are going for outreach, you are there. Small, 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 small decisions. A great marriage, same. Small, 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 small decisions. Finances, same. I remember when I was in church. I started building my first house when I was in first year. Two years after I finished architecture, I had built my first house, a seven-bedroom house. And I was a student. I didn't have money, but I had great decisions. So I told myself, Instead of buying bread, I will buy a light switch. Do you know what I said? Mammy, you can also stand there and point to a light switch and say, But your light switch there, they're all decisions. One is building a house and one is building a pot belly. One of the two. They're all decisions. But I remember when I got to the roof. You know, I didn't have money to buy roofing sheets, plenty. There was a lady, she was called Magellan. She used to make roofing tiles behind the school of architecture. And I had my site there in Ayodhiasi. So I told Magellan that I want to buy tiles. She said, how many? I said, give me six. She says, six. What are you using it for? Are you building a chicken coop or something? I said, no. I'm building a house. Then she said, at this rate, when will you finish? I said, one day I'll finish. Because even uh, David spent seven years building his own house. So I remember, each time I go to that place, I'll make a decision to buy one or two tiles. 
transport cost. No transport cost. I was surprised. Within a year, I had 7,000 tiles, enough to roof the building. Put your hands together for Jesus. Great decisions. I was pointing to that house. Great decisions. So small decisions are important. If we take them on a consistent basis over time, even your health, what you eat, what you drink, what you do, small decisions all the time, over a period of time, determines whether you are healthy or you are sick. Because some people's food is killing them. In Psalm 69 verse 22, David said, let their table become a snare before them. That which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. So some people's lunch is actually a trap. One day I went for dinner with a guy. Hey, the guy was overweight and he was sick. And I was telling him that, look, we were having dinner. I said, what is this? I said, what is this? I said, what is this? I said, what is me befia anadwe bisano ice cream cake be a bot be a bottles be repair them no me no two pen hey unfortunately it wasn't long he died why ice cream cake killed him put the hands together for jesus ice cream cake killed him Number two, I think I should be closer with this one. I thought I could go further. We must make spiritual decisions. Tell some of the spiritual decisions. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, the Bible says, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. And they that are after the spirit do mind the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And verse 7 says, for the carnal mind is enmity against God. Yeah, the Bible talks about two kinds of mind that you can have to make your decisions. You see, there's something we call the carnal mind. So you can make decisions from a carnal mind. And there's also something we call a spiritual mind. In other words, you can make decisions with a spiritual mind. But the Bible says that if you are going to make decisions, make sure that you make decisions with a spiritual mind. Why? He said, if you have a spiritual mind and you make decisions, it will result in two things. 
life. You will experience the kind of life that God has dreamt and planned for you. That's the kind of life you'll experience. It's not a life of defeat. It's not a life of demons. It's not a life of curses. It's the lifestyle of heaven itself. Like the way we have the lifestyle of America and the lifestyle of Ghana, we have the lifestyle of heaven. It's called eternal life. He said you experience that kind of life. And there are people in Ghana who live like Americans. Go to the American embassy. American embassy won't say, Ambassador no, Ejina Kose ne Masa Echi. Or say, Mumma mi Kose two cities. And ne Masa, one city. Aya Mufa Echino, and your strong room. No. He's eating hamburger and American food. He has transported a piece of America to Ghana. And although they are in Ghana, they are living in America. That's why the Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. Look at someone say, as a person, ambassador, it is saying, ambassador, you are an ambassador. Look at you and say, your excellency, how is it? He said, when you make spiritual decisions from a spiritual mind, you experience the lifestyle of heaven itself. Then he said, you also experience peace. Oh, one of the greatest blessings in life God can ever give you is peace. Why? Because it was a big TV screen. One of call the best school in the world, Stanford, MIT, and they don't give you peace. The Rastafarians, they say, Ja Rastafara, yes, sir, yes, more. Recently, I was in Canada last week. I was in Canada and I was working in town. And a woman came with another woman. He said, please, can you take a picture? This is my wife. Want us to take a picture? I said, wow. Two women. He said, this is my wife. Let's take a picture. If you take your son to MIT and comes with another man, I said, can we take a picture? This is my wife. How are you going to feed my brother? That is why if God doesn't add peace to your physical blessings, you will never enjoy it. That's why Romans 14 verse 17, it says, the kingdom of heaven is not only meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Sobolo, wache, kebab, diyehu, tuozafe, neasomje, best combination. Put your hands together for Jesus. Best, 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 best combination. So he says, when you have a spiritual mind, you make great decisions. 
and that's what happens to you. So what is a carnal mind? A carnal mind is somebody who makes decisions based on his senses. When I say your senses, it's what you hear, what you taste, what you smell, what you see, what you touch. That's what governs your decisions. That's all. When you are marrying, the only thing you know is that you, dear, you like fair women. That's all. Whether they are witches or whatever, it doesn't matter. They just have to be fair. That's a kind of decision. It's just based on what you see. You see, that's a carnal decision. No reference to God's word. One day I was watching some Miss Ghana some years ago, and they were, you know, interviewing the Miss Ghana. And they asked the Miss Ghana, so who is the ideal man that you would like to marry? It's a, as for me, I would like to marry a man with a lot of hair on his chest. I say, a with you today. And they are worried about change. Put your hands together for Jesus. That's a carnal decision. People who make carnal decisions just based on their senses, they don't make great decisions. That's what happened to Eve. Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw one of your senses is your eyes, that the tree was good for food, one of your senses is your taste. It was pleasant to the eyes. I mean, a fair. A tree to be desired to make one wife, one wife, feelings. You feel like If you just move by your feelings, you'll make great decisions. Hey, the way you can insult your husband when you are angry, you see, it's a kind of decision. You are relying on your feelings to respond. You know, it's amazing that some people work for their bosses and when they come to the office, they rather have squeezed their face. They are, work, they are moving with their feelings. You are about to be sacked. You sit there with that face. That's what destroyed Adam and Eve. But Jesus, he made spiritual decisions based on God's word. After fasting for 40 days, 40 nights, he was hungry. The devil said in Luke 4:3, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. It's a suggestion. Now he has to make a decision. Then he said, I can't make a kind of decision. I can't follow my hunger. I can't follow my decisions. I have to make great decisions. 
And great decisions are based on God's word. So he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. In titi bread no, mindi, tino, no. He made a great decision. With God's word. You make a great spiritual decision when the Holy Spirit directs you. Paul made a decision to enter into ministry. Why? Because God spoke to him. Acts 26 verse 16, God said, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. To make you a minister and a witness. Both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear to you. Verse 19, he said, Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Great decisions, they come from visions and directions of the Holy Spirit. You are going to get a job, be led by the Spirit. You are making a friend, be led by the Spirit. You want to travel, be led by the Spirit. You want to marry somebody, be led by the Spirit. You want to invest, be led by the Spirit. But Genesis 26 verse 12, it says, Isaac sowed in that land. Why? Because Genesis 26 verse 3, the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. He said, don't go to Germany. Don't go to U.S. Great decision. That same land, verse 12 says, Isaac sold in that land. The Lord blessed him. Oh, the man was great. He went forward. He grew until he became very great. How was he able to make such a great decision? It was a spiritual decision. Based on God's word and the direction of the Holy Spirit. So as I close this morning, I want to encourage you. Your life is a summary of your decisions. Both big and small. From your job to your Christianity, to your marriage, to your kids, to your health, you are looking at a sum total of all your decisions over a long period of time. That's why you must be able to make great decisions. So that when you look at your life, you say, oh, I like what I see. I have made a great decision. May God help us to take small decisions seriously. May God help us to make spiritual decisions. Put your hands together, stand to your feet as we close. May God help you and help us